Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you heard all the rave about the new Quick Grill located inside the Be Quick Chevron on Veterans Boulevard? Come visit Be Quick Chevron along with Quick Grill, Be Quick Food Marts, your locally owned hometown convenience store, wherever you are. What is up on a Friday? I'm Brian Scott Rippey, my co-conspirators Colin Brister. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this fine Friday, wherever you may be listening and whenever you may be listening to this. Um, packed show today. We'll get into some baseball preview, a kind of a get-right weekend for Ole Miss baseball preview. A pretty big game, not pretty big, a huge game for Ole Miss basketball as it chases an NCAA tournament bid at Arkansas. And then some spring football because spring football is already here. Pretty pumped. Um, <laughs> and then we'll get into some Bryce Harper and some other stuff as well along the way. Who knows? But Colin, how you doing? I'm I'm making it, man. How was uh, you, you were at football a while today? Yeah, it's been a it. This is like I don't want to complain, but this is like one of the like my not so favorite times of the year because you have <laughs> basketball. St- you have the heat of basketball season. Yeah. You have college baseball starting. You have um, spring football overlapping all of that. So, like, it's just constant after another. Like, I mean, like, next, like, in a week, you'll do, like, I'll do baseball at Louisville, go down to the SEC basketball tournament in Nashville, and then however long that lasts, do the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, if Ole Miss is to make it, which you think they will, do that and then come back and it'll be the middle of conference place. So like, there's really no, and then and then you got the Grove Bowl and all that stuff on top of that. <laughs> so there's really, really not much let up. But Such anyway, a tough life. Yeah, it's a busy time, which I guess is good from a content perspective. A lot, lot going on, which is, I imagine, going to be better than the dead heat of summer when we're breaking down depth charts and stuff <laughs> um, for football when it's like two and a half months out. Anyway, but kind of a late night last night. Or I say last night, Wednesday night after, you know, Ole Miss loses to Tennessee, heartbreaking fashion, you know, quick turnaround Thursday with everything going on. But should be an interesting weekend from an Ole Miss sports perspective. A lot going on. What do you want to start with? Uh, let's go basketball. We'll go basketball? Okay. So Ole Miss plays a noon game at Arkansas um, with – Presumably a chance to punch their t- ticket. I mean, you're 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 assuming with the as bad as the bubble is, ten wins. No matter who you beat for the tenth win is going to get you uh, in. It would have to take some some uh, real bubble bur- bursting next week to. Uh, I guess it'd be next. Well, the next week it would have to take some uh, bid stealers for ten and eight to not get in. Yes, and it would they would do well to get to eleven. Like lo- like beating Arkansas and then losing three in a row would like obviously not be something like advisable. Um, but you you still feel pretty safe at at ten. So I don't really know what to make of this game because Arkansas is coming off a game. They've lost six games in a row. They're coming off a game that they took Kentucky down to the wire and rup. It feels like a game where Arkansas has kind of shot its final bullet in the chamber and is not. I mean, I don't know. If I'll say it. Com- they're yeah, giving up. I mean, they're playing for a coach that's probably going to get fired. But you thought that after a home loss against A and M, and then they do whatever. Well, they, if whatever they go out and shoot eleven of twenty, then Ole Miss is in trouble. But I think if they come out in the first half and Ole Miss doesn't let them, or if Arkansas just doesn't shoot the ball particularly well, and Ole Miss gets an eight point lead, I think they kind of lay down. Yeah. So that, that I mean, that's probably the. I mean, this sounds so cliche, but that's probably one of the biggest keys to the game is Ole Miss is coming off an emotionally draining loss. Not a short, short week, but the Wednesday-Saturday is obviously much shorter than a right. Tuesday-Saturday in terms of practice, preparation, really just body sort of. So Ole Miss can't afford to come out lethargic because if you let Arkansas get up early, that's a dangerous game to be playing with a team that really has nothing to play for and not a whole lot of reason to be there. And Arkansas is a weird case because they got off to a horrible start in conference play. I think they were 1-4, maybe 1-5. Like they won, they, beat, they won their opener at A&M and then lost five in a row. And then they kind of win four out of five, and you're thinking they're kind of making a late run to kind of get back on the bubble. And then things really just went awry after that. They lose back-to-back games at South Carolina, Missouri, lose by state, get hammered by Auburn, have a home loss against A&M, which was really felt like the final nail in the coffin for them. And then played a you know, valiant effort at Rupp, but didn't pull it out at the end. So, I mean, it's a game Ole Miss really needs to win because if they lose that, and like we kind of talked about, on Thursday's show, if you go into the final week of the season needing to split at Missouri or a home game against Kentucky, 
And Missouri, for all their flaws, doesn't quit. And played Ole Miss pretty tough in Oxford. They did. They did. Um, I think it do. I, I mean, could, is there any way you could pull up the box score from when these teams played the first time? The Ole Miss uh, Arkansas box score from the first game. I can do that because we have internet. Oh, uh, let's see. Okay. But I kind of – and look, that game was over a month and a half ago, but it seemed like that was one of Ole Miss's better games of the season when they played them here in Oxford. Now, obviously, it's different going down to Bud Walton, uh, playing on the roads never easy in this league. You're talking about Arkansas. I thought you were talking about the Missouri. No, 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 like, no, no. Certainly not. Um, no, uh, the Arkansas game. When yeah, they no, Ole Miss uh, – 84-67, Ole Miss led wire to wire, shot the ball pretty – Pretty well, I believe they shot. They're thirty-one to sixty-four from the field, seven to twenty-two from three. They go thirty-one to sixty-four on Saturday. They will win. Yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> um, seven to twenty-two from the from the three-point line. Not great, what but Gafford fairly efficient. Do, um, you... So that was that was why Ole Miss won that game. Gafford was essentially a non-factor, and uh-huh. with Ole, with as much as Ole Miss has struggled in the post, um. You figured that's where he was going to hammer them coming in. So he has nine points. He does have ten rebounds, but zero offensive rebounds. It's ten defensive rebounds with five turnovers and nine points, and he only took six shots. That's why Ole Miss won that game in the fashion it did. They probably could have won the game. They they could have absorbed Gafford going for 20 or 25 and kind of hammering him inside, but they would have been sweating it down to probably the final couple of possessions. But Ole Miss led wire to wire, and that game was never really a game after about the first 10 minutes. I mean, the, the, the result was never in the balance, even if Arkansas is kind of hanging around. So... I mean, if, if if Gafford is nine points on two of six shooting Saturday, Ole Miss wins. Yes. Uh, Gafford is going to have to play well for them to win because I think Ole Miss is good enough uh, at the guard position to limit, you know, guys like Isaiah Joe. Um, I can't remember if he played well or not, but he's, he's a really good shooter for Arkansas. I think Ole Miss can get after him and limit him a little bit. That's the thing that that – kind of gets lost in the shuffle from the Tennessee game is how well they played on defense. If they have that kind of defensive effort on uh, Saturday, Ole Miss will win. Well, that's what, kind of what we were talking about on Thursday's show when you when you talk about they've looked like other than Ole Miss winning at Mississippi State earlier in the year, that's if you want to point to a single game to talk about them being a deserving tournament team for Ole Miss, even in a loss, you point to that game because of how they matched up in the half-court defense with the Final Four team. I actually don't believe Ole Miss, particularly with how Gafford has been playing in the last couple of games individually, I don't think Ole Miss is going to keep that good of a handle on him again. I just don't. They've been too inconsistent in the post. I think he's probably going to have a double double, but is that a fifteen and ten double double or is that twenty eight and fifteen? Right, right. Uh, Ole Miss needs Bruce to show up again, and you'd never know which kind of Bruce you're going to get from game to game. He has been more consistent. I'll give him yeah. in the last four or five games. Oh, it's not absolutely. Always great, but his defensive well, effort has been better. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, he's not. I don't think he's shot the ball particularly well, but he's played so much better on the defensive end. He's rebounding the basketball. Um, so yeah, I mean. Look, if Ole Miss gets – I think that's going to be the key. Was What does Gafford do on Saturday? Like you said, is it a 15-10 and 10 or is it 28-17? and 17? They can survive 15-10. and 10. They're going to be in a dogfight till the final breath if he's it, if he's just killing them on the interior. And Ole Miss, honestly, there, there's a scenario I, – I, I think Arkansas might roll over if Ole Miss gets up early. But if Arkansas shoots remotely what they shot shooting perimeter jump shots like they did against Kentucky and Gafford's killing them on the inside, they could get run out of the gym. Arkansas is not good, but you've seen that happen time and time again, particularly with when Ole Miss faces teams like that. And I'm not talking about necessarily them getting blown out. I'm talking about when it goes bad for them, particularly on the offensive and defensive glass, uh, teams are a problem for them. Yeah, like, I think, like you said, it's it's kind of cliche to say, but Ole Miss needs to get out and, and start fast. If Ole Miss start fast, starts fast, it could – Things could spiral in Arkansas in that same way um, because, like you said, Arkansas doesn't have a ton to play for. There's not really a path for them to the NCAA tournament besides winning on Sunday in Nashville. So if Ole Miss can get out and you know put their foot on them real quick, I think it's a game that Ole Miss can win by 10 to 12 points. But like you said, if they shoot the ball at, at a 45 to 50% clip behind the line, Gafford goes insane, rebounding everything, getting offensive rebounds, it's, Ole Miss can find themselves in trouble. And I think they're going to battle a little bit of an emotional hangover, and there's no ibuprofen for that. Like, they're going to have to find a way to pick themselves back up off the mat, which they've done time and time again this year. But I would say that was the most emotionally draining loss they've had this season. Oh, absolutely. To Tennessee, by far and away. I mean, from the way it ended to everything that had happened leading up to the game with the off the court stuff, not that those two are necessarily related, but it just felt like a lot. And after the game, they felt 
very defeated. I mean, Kermit didn't shy away from it. He said it was a heartbroken locker room. So they're going to need to get out and play well early in the game or they could be in trouble. Because you go into that final week, um, you know, needing to split a game, and it, it becomes more than just a playing well thing. It's a mental thing, too. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, look, I think Ole Miss wins Saturday. Um, I think if they don't win Saturday, they win at Mizzou. But you're right. If you find yourself having to win at Mizzou, it's a whole different deal than uh, – you know, if you lock it up on Saturday or on Tuesday against Kentucky. You don't want to go to Como on senior day having to have a win. No, you don't. No, in saying that, does Missouri have any seniors? Because they're, they're one of the youngest teams in the country. They may not have a senior. I'm just honestly. sitting here thinking, I don't think they do. Do you have a senior day if you have no seniors? Absolutely I guess you, not. Yeah, I guess you don't. You can't like, <laughs> have a ceremony for a ghost. That would actually be kind of funny. Maybe they maybe they have like a manager or something. I <laughs> you think know. they get hyped for the manager senior day? Well, like I'm a full believer in like the senior day makes you play better. Type oh, thing. I mean it's shown, yeah. Well, if I'm Conzo Martin and there's no uh, seniors, I'm rolling out a ball boy or something <laughs> and giving that kid a plaque and being like, "Let's do it for him. Let's just, win just one." Just grab for the, some seniors out of student section. Let's win one for the Gipper. Like <laughs> this kid has washed more clothes. Do you, know, do you let him start? Shine more balls. Yeah, I might give him a Rudy <laughs> moment or something like that. Just to kind of get the mental edge. Just kind of screw with Ole Miss a little bit. <laughs> Just saying. Um, so, oh, Kevin Perrier is a senior. He's oh, okay. Okay, never mind. I was wrong. Um, that Jordan Geist is a senior. Is he really? I That kid's really good, and I'd never heard of him before this year. I believe they are, those are the only two seniors. But those are two significant players, yeah. so obviously – you know, it's both starters, both pretty good. Yeah, guys played well in Oxford. Adam Wolf and Cullen Van Leer, those look like bench mob guys. That looks like they keep their grades up. Yes, they do. <laughs> but which is what you need. You need. I mean, <laughs> don't sell them short. So they're going to do it for Adam Wolf and Cullen Van Leer, if nothing else. The so point being, <laughs> Ole Miss really needs the win against Arkansas on Saturday. That's really about all you can sum it up. There's not a whole lot of ways to, to prognosticate the game in terms of like how it's going to go because you just don't know what you're going to get from Arkansas. Do they have another bullet left to fire? I don't know. I don't think so, but I guess we'll find out soon enough. Yeah, uh, we'll find out on Saturday, I guess. No, I, I think, look, Arkansas is a really talented team. They have ex- underachieved extremely. It's probably going to co- cost Mike Anderson his job. They're, just from, from – uh, you know, the periphery, it doesn't look like it's going to be a team that's all that because I don't think it's senior day. Um, so I don't I don't think it's going to be a team that's that fired up to be in Bud Walton on Saturday. So if Ole Miss can get in there and just grind them for a little bit, I think you get a chance to see them lay down. If they do fire Mike Anderson, he's going to find work very quickly. The guy's won everywhere he's gone. Yeah. Uh, His problem is, is he's fallen in the middle to where he, they've been a good, consistent tournament team for the most part, but they haven't made the run and Arkansas is dealing with the expectations of like they it's almost kind of similar somewhat, to AK. Well, sort of, but like Arkansas sometimes wise. sometimes has expectations like they're blue a blue blood because of that national title in what 1990 yeah. is that it was yeah, 1990, yeah. but they haven't really done much since. And Mike Anderson, I'm about to pull it up. Like he's they've been a good program, and it's honestly probably I would argue it would be a mistake to fire him, even though I would understand it. Um, yeah, but this team should not be this bad. I don't know, dude. They lost two of their t- leading scores from last year. They have year. a lottery pick down low. But that, I mean, you, I mean, Johnny Jones went to the NIT with. Okay, ben let's Simmons. not compare him to Johnny you Jones. Got, <laughs> you got to have more than one. So he's so he went to Elite Eight with Missouri, then went to two straight NCAA tournaments after that. Hell, he, he went to a Sweet Sixteen and three with straight Missouri NCAA though, tournaments right? with UAB. Right, but what's he done at Arkansas? So he's gone. First couple years, they went 18, 14, 19, 13, no postseason. Okay. Uh, 22 and 12 is third year NIT. Then the next year, they win a tournament game. Then they kind of struggle, go 16, 16. Then he goes to the round of 32 in 2016, 2017. Last and that's year, the game. You remember, they had North Carolina on the ropes in the 8 right. 9 game and kind of blew it late. Uh, 2017, 2018, well, they get bounced in the first Butler, round. Butler, yeah. That was last year, so he's made back. To, he's made the NCAA tournament in three out of four years. But they're expecting at Arkansas, fairly or unfairly, they're expecting runs to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, and he hasn't been able to deliver that. No, and and I mean maybe that maybe he does stay there, but I you know when you, when you, they're going to have a losing conference record this year, and I think they were expected to make the NCAA tournament, so it, it'll be interesting. I think him and I don't know, man. They were picked tenth in the were league. They? Yeah, I thought they were picked higher than that. No, they were tenth. Which that the, the the common talking thread amongst like 
I guess radio people like me, was Arkansas has a lottery picked in their projected 10th in the SEC. Look how good the league is. That was kind of the story yeah, in enough. November. But so what I don't understand is they keep talking about Anderson and Billy Kennedy at Texas A&M like they're dead men walking. Billy Kennedy's made two sweet Yeah, I don't get the Kennedy years. one. I don't get the Kennedy one. He well, has to get well, another year, let's, right? Let's do this. All right. I think we both agree that the three most likely people to be fired, and I hate kind of doing this, is Drew Anderson. I don't. It's fun. These guys, these guys are millionaires. Fair enough. Drew, Drew Anderson, and Kennedy. What, what, what's the odds that those three get fired? Like, who, rank them one, two, and three. Oh, gosh. See, the Bryce Drew at Vanderbilt thing is so hard because – If I'm the AD, I fire him. Because, okay, so you lose a lottery pick in Darius Garland, but then they haven't won a conference They're 0-18. Does one player really make that much of a difference? Like, is that justifiable? But the, the interesting juxtaposition with Bryce Drew is he has the best recruiting class in the history of the school coming in. It's a top-10 recruiting but class. But he's going to go 0-18. <laughs> like, but do you, is that going to make him better? I mean, yes, that's going to make him better, but is it going to make him better to the point that he makes the NCAA tournament next year? He has two pros coming in next year. If you fire him— Like two and one guy, or uh, one and done guys? Yes. I don't know about one and done, but they're two eventual pros. Okay. It's a top-ten recruiting class in America. So if you're—I don't disagree. There's—you lose a lottery pick in Darius Garland is a heck of a player, but that's not an excuse for going over in an 18-game conference season. I mean, he's going to lose 20 consecutive games because they're going to lose in the SEC tournament. They lost their last non-conference game, I'm pretty sure. They haven't won a game in 2019. Like, think about that. Okay, so but if you're a <laughs> Vanderbilt basketball fan, do you want him fired? Because yes. If you, no, hold on. If you, want, if, you, if you fire him, they're awful next year. If you keep him, there's at least a hope they're good next year because of the influx of talent. Like, Vanderbilt is always recruited okay for basketball. Sure. They don't get that kind of talent. No, they don't. But so you're really going to ju- – like, you might keep a kid. You never know. I doubt you keep that class together if you fire him. So what do you do? Well, if I'm a Vanderbilt fan, I'm looking at my coach who's about to go 0-19 and realize that this man can't coach because he's about to go 0-19. So do I want a decent head coach or do I want, you know, a guy that can bring in a lot of talent but can't coach a la Johnny Jones? And that's the weird part is 4-14 four and 14 probably saves Oh, absolutely. Year. You just can't Well, hell, if he over. wins two games of his next three, he's fine. You can't go 0-19. Yeah, yeah, I mean, honestly. No, they're not going to because they play LSU and somebody else that they can't beat. But Yeah. And the thing was, early in the year, they were close in some games, and then it just became almost like a mental Ooh, block. ooh, ooh. We could get Arkansas-Vanderbilt the uh, first day in Nashville on that Wednesday, and that's just two teams that have quit. There might be like eight combined points. Be 6-2 to two final. There you go. So, <laughs> bet the under. Um, um, but so, I don't think Billy Kennedy's getting fired. So, yeah, so moving on, you just rank the order. It's probably I'll go – just because of Arkansas's expectations, whether they're fair or not, I'll go Mike Anderson one, Bryce Drew two, and Billy Kennedy three. Adams playing kind of well too. In terms of most likely, least likely to to play. Yeah, no, they they won four or five before things went awry at LSU. Things go awry at LSU for, for a lot of teams. So yeah, I, I don't think Billy Kennedy's going anywhere. He's made two Sweet Sixteens in the last three seasons. They knew it was going to be somewhat of a transition year. It's probably gone a little worse. Injuries haven't helped them. So I think he gets another year. I think. Honestly, uh, Mike Anderson might be the only one gone. I am not fully convinced Bryce Drew is getting fired because of what he has. He would be if I was dead, D. Because, goodness. Oh, and 19, man. Yeah, that's a tough look. Has anyone ever done that? Like, Rick Ray had some bad teams, man. I don't think he went winless. Well, hell, I know he didn't because Ole Miss didn't sweep him very often. They've only had the 18-game season for a couple years, but like, did they even do it at 16? Let's see. Well, they, they started it in 13, 12, 13, when Missouri and A&M joined the league. So it would take some time to research that. But well, I don't think anybody's going over. Google was no help. Uh, Google does not tell you whether a team has <laughs> never won it. I don't think they have because I think I would remember it. Well, they're going to make history then. That's, <laughs> That's another a, thing you've got going for to come back next year. They <laughs> yeah. will be a historic team. Um, so – <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's kind of getting down to crunch time in SEC basketball. We were trying to do the math and the seedings and stuff on the show, and it's really too early to do that because so much can play. Yeah, everybody's so tight. Well, you've got four teams at 10 and 8 Ole Miss, Auburn, South Carolina, State. Not 10 and 8. Ole Miss, 10 and 6. 10 and 6. Ole Miss is 9 and 6. 9 and 6. 
So you have four teams at nine and six with Ole Miss, Auburn, Florida, and South Carolina. Yes, yeah, I believe so. So I mean, it's just kind of too early to tell. I think South Carolina finishes, you know, ahead of everybody. They get A uh, and M and Missouri. It is kind of a weird place to be in this state where everyone, you know, Mississippi State and Ole Miss are still fully invested in basketball at this stage of the yeah. game. I mean, it's the first time both teams are presumably going to make the NCAA tournament of Ole Miss takes care of business since 2001. And really, at this point, you know, from a content perspective, you're most of the time you're talking about, you know, how badly is Ole Miss and State going to beat whatever tech team they're playing in, in non-conference <laughs> baseball, which I like college baseball enough, but it's monotonous to get down to that. It's kind of nice to have meaningful basketball games we played late. When's the last time Ole Miss had played a game like they played Wednesday night at home in February with that much on the line? Um, I don't remember. Well, hmm. it's been a while because uh, 2013, I guess, I mean – those games in 2013 mattered because they went and screwed it up on the road. Um, they lost to a really bad state team and a really, really bad, bad South Carolina yes. team that year. 27-win team almost flirted with not making the tournament. They didn't um, almost flirt with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they they, they got they were close. So. AK played a game in 2012 against Vanderbilt that if they won would have put them in the tournament. Uh, and they proceeded to get beat by 40, which was just kind of a staple of that tenure. It uh, really was. I mean, he was always a game away, yeah, and it was usually a dud. Yeah. He um, did a lot for Ole Miss basketball, but that really was kind of his tenure in a nutshell um, in some respects. Yeah. But, I mean, he, he brought – But he, if and, – and, you know, we're kind of straying away here, but if AK has – if the league is as good as they are now, some of those records that AK put up get in the tournament too, you know. Like, he went 10-8. and eight But more, does he win some of those games because oh, he beat up on a lot of bad teams? And I'm, I'm not trying to neg AK. He brought Ole Miss basketball kind of in the modern age. He's the reason the arena's there. I mean, is he not? Well, yeah, absolutely. If he's, he pulls a Rod Barnes, they're still in the tab pad. Yeah, yeah, that, that is very true. And that – God. <laughs> Working with some rain delays in that place. That some asbestos. Yeah, some, how, how close was Ole Miss to a lawsuit because of as, asbestos? I go oh, and I, my favorite thing about it is I love John Calipari. I love when he comes to Oxford every year because I can listen to him talk all the time. He loves to bring up the squirrel in the visiting <laughs> locker room that no one ever caught. And when they when they first opened the pavilion, gave ten, him the yeah, Kit, uh, Kentucky came through that year, and Cal in the visiting coach's office had a stuffed squirrel put on his desk. And He's he perfect. Loved that. He loved it. He came in the post game grinning so like ear to ear. Cal is a. Uh, National Cal treasure? Andrew, yes. He is a uh, – so is Andy Kennedy. But, the, the, the SEC basketball has been blessed with some awesome coaches in terms of character. Oh, absolutely. Like Frank Martin in his own – Oh, I'll go way. watch Frank Martin interviews just for fun. Yes. And Andy <laughs> Kennedy can light up a room. John Calipari is awesome. Do you think Cal sleeps much? Because he's got one of the best teams in the country, but if he loses like the second game of the NCAA tournament, they're going to fire him. <laughs> I don't think that. I don't think they're man. I, they they had some really high expectations this year. You don't think it'd be some pressure if he lost in the round of thirty two well, this if, year? If 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 that happens, I'm if I'm Cal, I'm walking in there and be like, you realize the guy that the people that run the show at Kentucky, the guy you hired before me was named Billy Gillespie. You really want to take that chance again? <laughs> oh, I'm not saying I would do it. I'm just saying those fans are insane. Yeah, they they are, and and Cal honestly managed it very well. He never blows up on media. He, he understands the expectations. I think that's part of his background. You can kind of see from the thirty for thirty. Those knows, kids love him. Too. Yeah, and he knows it's a dog eat dog world out there, and he genuinely cares about those kids and relates to them. Like a lot of this coach relationship stuff in college basketball and in college sports in general i'm just i don't know why i said basketball is sometimes kind of hollow but cal like and he doesn't shy away from it and honestly what drives some of the fans wrong way but he wants to get those kids in better financial situations oh, to have a better life almost above winning well he has told kids you're not coming back yeah, like like my favorite john wall story was i think it was wall said he wanted to come back and he said well you don't have a scholarship yeah. so that'd be hard yeah and the 30 for 30 i mean he sat down and he's telling kids like no you you don't need to come back this that would make no sense but yeah so a lot of characters in the sec maybe not as many as there were a couple of years ago i mean like bruce pearl's all right will wade doesn't really do much for me i don't think he's actually a good coach no bryce drew he's a nice guy whatever um Conzo Martin, he's all right. I don't nothing, think he's a good coach. Nothing nothing special about him. Mike Anderson seems like a really nice man, but like he doesn't entertain me at a press conference, which is not to... his job. But No, but no. I'm just talking about coaches that come Mike through. White's boring. Howland, 
Mm, Alan's fine. I Alan's guess. fine. He's boring. Mike White's kind of boring. Um, to... Who are we missing? Uh, T- Tom Crean. <laughs> Tom Crean is not boring. Tom no. Crean walked in after the pavilion the other day, and like you know, he gets a bad rep because I think he is a nice guy and he means well. But I think he's so, kind of quirky. He's so abrasive and he's so quirky. Definitely, like he's a guy where you're like, how many ounces of Red Bull does he have him in it one time? He never sits still. But he walked in the media room after Ole Miss beat him the other night, and he just he looked down and like most coaches start with an opening statement and he'll be like, I'll take some questions. Tom Crean just sits down, kind of slams his like elbows on the thing, and just goes, "Go ahead." <laughs> Was it and, like started firing questions? <laughs> had five minutes with Tom, but so we've gone off the rails a little we've bit gone here. Off the rails a bit, but transitioning to, I guess we'll go baseball next. It's as you described it on Thursday. I think is a good phrase. A get right weekend for Ole Miss baseball. Long Beach State is not good. The main attention is going to be on the mound. Not really even with the pin. It's going to be how do they shore up everything behind Will Etheridge in the rotation? Is that not the main focus of this weekend? Yeah, because the offense is going to score a bunch of runs. The bullpen's going to mow people down. There's really this is what I'm zeroing well, on. I'll, I'll I'll push back a little bit there. I don't know if the offense is going to score a ton of runs this weekend. Long Beach is really good on the mound. That they're kind of synonymous with uh, pitching and defense and not being able to hit, and they have mastered the not being able to hit. Um, so I think I think the uh, pitching is going to have to help them out a little bit this week. I don't think the offense is going to be able to put up 11 and 12 runs a game to win it. No, they shouldn't have to because, like I said yesterday, they hit 157, I believe, last time I looked. Uh, had a sub 450 OPS, which is horrible. So I don't think there should be many reasons for Long Beach to score a lot of runs this weekend, and it gives Ole Miss as a pitcher's an opportunity to build some confidence about themselves. So I was – Talking with, I mean, uh, full disclosure. I was I was talking with Chase Parham for, for their their obviously daily podcast, great show. We we're t- I was talking for a segment on their thing uh, earlier today, early or Thursday about, and he brought up a really interesting question about what's one guy on this team that if you could go ahead and be told his numbers for the entire season as a gauge to how the team did what is that guy because i had an interesting answer and i actually thought it was a thoughtful one given that i was Um, just walking from class eating some crackers not really doing much hmm. so who do you think it is wow Uh, i'll tell you what you give your first one let me think about it just a little bit okay i said houston roth okay that's fair yeah and i said that because Hmm. one what ha- what is the the biggest question in this team? Because we, I think Hoagland's going to be fine on Sundays. I think he'll end up being okay. I think he'll learn how to pitch. I think he'll learn it on the fly. I think he's probably it was a little unfair to put him in the rotation, you know, from the get go. Not necessarily unfair, but a tall tall ask. So set what's like what happens on Saturday will be very telling for this team. So what does Houston Roth look like? What does his numbers look like? Is he good? Is he bad? Or his appearance? Starts, so you think he's the Saturday guy? Or his appearances are out of the pen? I think he ends up being the Saturday guy. But even if he's not the Saturday guy and he's out of the bullpen, doesn't that mean something good has happened with Phillips or Nikhazy? Yeah, sure. Um, unless he's bad. Well, in my in my mind, the most like like the most telling is Roth's stats. What is Roth's stats? How many starts does he have? How many relief appearances yeah. does he have? Is he good or bad? That will tell you the most of no, any player on this team. That's a that really team. good answer, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm sure there's another one. Like I, well, you say that. If I could, like, if you could tell me Ole Miss's record on Saturday right now uh, throughout this year, I could tell you what, where the season, you know, where they are in the postseason. So I guess the other answers to that are the Saturday candidates. What's Nikhazy? Not necessarily as much Nikhazy because he's going to be – Presumably pretty good out of the pen. No I still think what. they're going to give Phillips a chance. Okay, so th- that's probably the other answer then. Zach Phillips. What is? Because I don't know what he projects. Like I don't know what that looks like out of the bullpen for him, even though he's probably a reliever as, as a pro. But I don't know what he looks like here as a reliever. So his numbers are probably pretty telling as to how the season goes, no? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, between him and Roth, I would think one of those guys is a Saturday starter if it's not Nikhazy. So, yeah, if, if you could tell me Ole Miss's record on Saturday right now, I could pretty much tell you where the postseason's going to be. Because, I mean, if they're good on Saturdays or even average, I think this team is a, a national seed. If they're not good on Saturdays, I think they're a fringe regional host. That's fair. So, I thought it was an interesting question. On the very off chance Chase is listening to this, sorry for <laughs> stealing your content. I thought it was a very fascinating question and one that was kind of really – it was really interesting because, like, it's not really anybody offensively because you know they're going to put up runs and have good numbers. So like, you know, Cole Zabowski being good at the plate or Thomas Dillard being good at the plate or Tim Elko or really anyone being good at the plate isn't going to tell you a whole lot about right. the season. So it's definitely yeah, on the mound. It's on the mound. It's probably Roth or Phillips. So yeah. 
I guess I could get a could could I get crazy and see how many saves he has? Because if I knew that, I could probably give you a pretty good gauge too. I think that I'm pretty sure that was Chase's answer too. So that's <laughs> another guy because he said I kind of want to see what the back end of the pin looks like. So that's right. another good one. It's definitely it's definitely pitching related is going to tell the tale with this team. You, you the offense is I don't want to say a given, but like you kind of know what you're going to get in most games. Yeah, I mean that's completely fair. You're gonna—they're one of the best offenses in the country. They're gonna score runs. They're gonna bail the pitchers out. If the pitchers put up pretty good numbers, Ole Miss is going to be really, really hard to beat. But from—I mean, by anybody. That's the thing is we talked about it earlier that the rotation wasn't necessary. Yes, it's hard to replace the newness of three rotation slots, and it was a weird dynamic for this team coming into the season because it was a bunch of question marks with the rotation, but it was guys that you had seen enough of a sample size that you felt like they weren't necessarily new pieces. Yeah, uh, that's that's you know that's totally fair because I don't know it, it's it's interesting because if you tell them before the year that Gur Holston and Jordan Fowler aren't going to give you meaningful innings and at this point I don't think either of them are in line to I think there's enough guys ahead of them. And last May they were the two most likely candidates to 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 snag down rotations. I say two. two well, yeah, most likely, I mean two of the most. You likely tell me the Monday night that uh, Fowler goes six innings against Tech or whatever he went that he's not going to be even. You know, counted on the next year, I'd call you insane. So, what is it from your vantage point? Did you watch that game uh, Tuesday? Not enough to be able to. I mean, I watched Jordan Fowler throw the baseball. What is it? And I don't know. Uh, um, there's not a lot of life on the fastball, which is weird from a lefty. Never threw real hard. I don't know, man. Uh, just he's not striking anybody out. I think he throws enough strikes, but I, it's just it's just everything's in the zone. It's getting pounded right now. And Greer Holston, from a velocity standpoint and everything else, is to a point to where I don't think he's appearing in a game. Do you know what velocity looks like? Like, just, I mean, like, what his velocity looks like at all? I don't. I've been told secondhand a couple of numbers that I'm not going to just, like, speculate and say, but, like, it's, it's low. Okay. So, so not in a place where you could get people out in the SEC. Um, so I yeah. think you could lop off the SEC part. Do I? <laughs> not, I know, I'm serious. I mean, not, I think not it's get Oxford, that I don't think he can get people you don't, out. You don't think he can get Oxford be, High School out? Well, I'm talking about <laughs> midweek, too. But right. I, maybe, <laughs> point being is I actually think there's a reason you haven't. I mean, I think the fact that you haven't seen him at all in any situation yet, even in some of these yeah. games, has gotten out of hand is very It's telling. telling. I think it is very well, telling. Well, if his velocity's dropped so far to that point, wouldn't you just redshirt him? I mean, sure, but what are you redshirting him for? The well, hope that it's the hope that it's back. The same reason the Dodgers gave Clayton Kershaw thirty-three more million dollars. The hope that he finds that velocity again. So I mean, I'm gonna bet Holston didn't have thirty-three million dollar mile an hour like velocity, <laughs> but I get what you're saying. I mean, I get, yes, the Dodgers are hoping Clayton Kershaw doesn't throw eighty-nine as am I. But um, yeah, it's it's crazy that uh, those guys really hadn't been counted on much this year, and it doesn't really you know appear that they're going to be. So, I mean, is there anything else you're looking for this weekend? To me, it's very pitching-centric, and yeah. it's really starting pitching-centric. I don't think there's much The storylines on the offense um, aren't really there. I mean, Tim Elko would be nice if he'd play well. Uh, he's pressing. Yeah, poor kid. He actually had two or three hits on Tuesday. He had a homer at Tulane. Maybe he's coming around. There's too much talent for it to not come around. So, uh, you know, I guess if you're looking for a storyline, him and Chase Cockrell. Maybe what continues to happen at second base. Right, with Ant, oh, with Ant how he plays in the outfield. So, they're a better outfield with their video out there. That is a fact. But and, I, but he needs to play center field. <laughs> like, um, yeah, he does. Because he needs to be in. The I lineup. think Olenek would tell you he's a better outfielder than him. You know, and you put your best outfielder. Uh, actually, <laughs> I don't think Olenek. You don't think would, Olenek would tell you that? that but fair enough. I, you, fair enough. You were not wrong. Well, I, I thought I, I thought I read that Olenek said that Ant was the best center fielder or the best outfielder on the team. But maybe I didn't. Uh, maybe somebody did no. That was said multiple times in the offseason, and I could be wrong. I'm not telling you you're wrong. I would be stunned <laughs> if, if that came said, out of Rhino. Fair enough. Now. Fair enough. Stunned. Uh, I think Olenek's a pretty good outfitter, so I don't think it's bad that he's playing in center field at all. Um, but yeah, that that's interesting going forward. But yeah, that's kind of it. I mean, you, Greg Kester's going to play shortstop. Uh, Tom Stiller's going to play left field and hit 450 apparently. So yeah, it's it's offensive. There's not much to uh, to Does look Olenek for. Pitch. Yeah, that's what that was what I was gonna say. Actually, that's the only other thing is does Olenek pitch? Um, I think he does. 
I mean, why would you not pitch him? He just threw a scoreless inning at 91-93 with a hammer. I would pitch him. I thought you were going to re-quote him from Tuesday night, which is still one of my all-time favorite Ryan Elite. <laughs> Did you see that? <laughs> I mean, what you saw tonight, I don't know why you would only use that in the I movie. love that because that's telling Mike, no, you're going to pitch me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's it's. I, I admire the kid's confidence, and I like I talking do. to him because he's an entertaining quote. He seems like a nice dude, and he is brimming with confidence, <laughs> which he should be. He's hitting four twenty and striking people out. Yeah, I mean he backs it up for the most part. It's just funny because he says it almost so deadpanned and so just like. I mean, it is. It's it's unassuming that it takes you a minute to process and be like, whoa. <laughs> but yeah really on a baseball front that's that's all and you know yesterday uh we had media availability uh from spring football with mike mcintyre and rich rodriguez for the first time since they've kind of gotten their feet wet in terms of on they give you plenty of beautiful insight matt corral too um so spoiler alert everything's still new still putting in the playbook you don't say a lot of hot, yeah, a lot of hot takes thrown around in that (laughs) two new coordinators they're still installing in that media op um Matt Corral had a couple interesting things to say. He okay, so are they going to run him? You think? Because he does not seem to be the guy that, that I think he's a willing enough runner. I oh, think, I think he's fine. I just figured he would want to be the guy that dropped back and threw it thirty-five times a game. I I actually asked him that question. I said, "Are you comfortable with the idea of running more?" And he said, "I don't care. I want to win." Well, I love that. Okay. You got to love that if that's your quarterback. Yeah, and I asked him that straight up uh, in the media. One of the interesting things he said, and it it's called this. Okay. You decide if this is shade at a former assistant coach on Ole Mississippi. Okay. He said, somebody asked him basically what's different about this offense, and he said, really, we're reading coverages. We did not read coverages last Sup, year. Phil? <laughs> I mean, did, did he at Phil on Twitter there after he said no that? There was no other context to that other than at, at we, Phil Longo we are, UM. <laughs> we are reading defenses this year. They're not running non defenses. We did not read defenses last year. <laughs> Take not- that. What you and do with it what you want. I'm taking that as uh, take that however you want. He's saying there was no route tree under Phil Longo's offense because there wasn't, and Phil Longo had 18 plays, and he's going to be a failure at North Carolina. Okay, so that was my next <laughs> cliff note I was going to provide for the people. Um, with regards to I asked uh, Rich Rodriguez kind of the state of the wide receivers, and could because Matt Corral came in first, and he said that the receivers have more responsibility reading some of the coverages, and I thought that was interesting. Which is a normal thing to do on offense. Yes, it, it is. <laughs> um, and I said, and so I asked, you know, Rich Rodriguez, what specifically are you doing differently? And he said, I- I'm not necessarily sure it's that different. He just said, a lot of these kids are still learning how to run routes. <laughs> and he said, I think he said run a route. Run an a route. So, yeah, well, I mean, when you only run nines, I mean, it's hard to, you know, learn other routes. So Ole Miss didn't run a crossing route for two years. Yeah. And so <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I shouldn't get on Phil Longer this bad, but he, he, he wrecked a Ferrari, man. He did. And the thing about it is, is we're saying they're throwing shade. They're not even really throw. No, they're being shade. honest. They're answering questions honestly, and it would just got so bad last year that the only way to construe it is like, okay, they're throwing shade, but they're not intentionally doing it. They're answering questions as honestly as they can. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> defensively, not a lot. I mean, I we asked about some of the edge rush, some of the edge rushers, and some of the guys they see fits. Things are still very new. Um. You might see Josiah Coatney at, uh, more in full contact after spring break. You're probably not going to see Benito Jones go through any contact. What's wrong? What's wrong with him? Um, Benito Jones, I think, is fixing up that shoulder that's really okay. Okay, yeah. Mohamed Sanogo's got a hand thing. He's playing with the P. Willie Club. Oh, okay. Um, you will see him at some point in full contact. I don't believe he's in full contact yet. I did not get to go out to practice Thursday. I was dropping hot takes on the radio, <laughs> um, so I have not. I did not see it, but I believe. He was not full contact yet. There was a lot of, from my understanding, was a lot of green jerseys out there. So they got to stay healthy. They can't get anybody hurt right now in the spring. I mean, they don't have the bodies to be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think that we were talking about it on Thursday show. I think they're. Uh, I, I'm speculating here because again, don't feel like counting it, but I think they're an offensive line injury away from not being able to run three groups. It's <laughs> um, problematic. Yeah, uh, you know, McIntyre seems like. I mean, he was very straightforward. Early, from a media perspective, early impressions, McIntyre was straightforward, and it is the spring, about injuries and kind of guy statuses with that, which was nice. Um, Rich Rodriguez is never going to be dull. I don't want to equate it to Andy Kennedy, but he is <laughs> has a quick wit about him. He is very honest. He was asked, you know, he, he was asked a question that was something to the effect of, what is this offense going to look like? And his answer was, well, if I knew that, why would I tell you? 
He said, unless you're going to go write this and put it in a closet and not, not put it out somewhere, why would I tell you? And then he kind of laughed and gave a decent answer as to kind of what his ideas are. But still a lot of newness going on. It's a long spring. Once they get into full pads and things like that, it will... We'll You're saying when people start hitting people, content. there will be observations? Yes, when there, there'll be more observations when they're hitting somebody because, you know, that's a pretty big part of football, <laughs> and you can't you can't really gauge a lot from the walkthrough. Really, the last thing I had on the docket today in my, um, my imaginary show itinerary that I keep stored in the brain was Bryce Harper. So I left class on Thursday, and I got a notification that Harper signed for – 13 years. 13 years. Over half the time I've been alive. It's a stupid deal if you're Bryce Harper for me. Just Uh, just stupid. I I don't know about that. I disagree. So 13 years, 330-something. Okay. $330 So, But it's what he wanted. He told told his agent, he told Boris, go get me a contract. I don't want to move cities again. I want to retire where I am. And if you can convince a team without narcotics involved to give you a (laughs) 13-year deal – I would say that's pretty sad. Okay, I get what you're saying, but it came out tonight that the Dodgers offered him four years, $45 million per year. Like, that's four years, $180 million versus 13 and 330 That's $15 million. That's $20 more million a year. So I said this on radio in the short term. If that was me, I would take the short-term deal for Absolutely. more money per year. But in the long run, it's more guaranteed money, which I don't even think necessarily matters to him from an act. I mean, it may matter to him personally, but from obviously from a financial standpoint, it's it's semantics. But he wanted to be in a city until he retired. He wanted a long contract, and he wanted a ton of guaranteed money. And he got all three of those things. Oh, fair enough. I mean, do what you want. I mean, but it he, he did not get the most uh, money that he could have, I, I feel like. Because Machado wound up getting more money per year, right? Well, I think Machado and Arenado are better players. But what comes with Harper is the ability to put butts in seats. Yeah, that does. I don't actually think I agree with Machado. I think Machado is kind of... I don't know. I, I don't think Machado's is good. The Johnny to Hustle, the non Johnny Hustle thing is a bad look. I think, uh, I don't know. I think Machado is a better all around player than Harper. Oh, fair enough. Harper's really bad defensively. I think. Really bad. I don't think it's a question with Arenado. No, Arenado is one of the best players. I mean, obviously, he's one of the best players. Best league. third baseman in baseball. They, they locked him up, didn't baseman. they? Yeah. So, another nugget of base one is the day before was uh, Nolan Arenado gets eight, eight years, 245 million. Okay, 255. 240? Yeah. I can't remember. It's, it was somewhere in that range. A lot of, years, lot more money. Lot of money nine figures. You're not going to make it. I'm not going to make <laughs> it. He got a lot of money is the point. But it was interesting because he could attest. So I read an article from the Los Angeles Times from Andy McCullough, who's now a national baseball writer there, tremendous writer. Oh, he's awesome. Did a story on on Nolan Arenado before the deal broke, but I read it after the deal broke. So it was kind of an interesting perspective. And his whole deal with free agency was – He's an LA kid. He yep. always loves coming back to play in Dodger Stadium. He's, you know, he said, "I'm battling. Do I want to be one of the greatest Rockies ever, or do I kind of want to see what else is out there?" And he knew he was going to get paid either way. And I thought he, his perspective on that was very rational. It was, you know, it's a good choice either way. Do I want to be one of the best? Not if I mean he, he's going to be the best Colorado Rocky of all time. No. Yeah, I mean by a long shot. He just Todd, Todd Helton maybe has is one of the best Rockies of all time, or does he kind of want to see what else is out there? And kind of maybe go back closer to home. Obviously, that's not going to happen. He's going to be a Rocky for a long time, for eight years. So, what is the Harper thing? Arenado didn't change teams, so not really great from a content perspective. What does Harper do to the National League? And we'll start with the National League East. I mean, the uh, Phillies were already the favorite with what they had. Don't were you they? think? Maybe. Well, they added. Like they had Real Muto. Done. Yeah, they had Real Muto and Segura. That's too well. Real Muto is not underrated, but Segura is an underrated move. That kid, that guy's a really good shortstop. And they add what's left of McCutcheon. Whatever you're gonna, get I there. think McCutcheon could still play. I think he can too. Um, so they're already they already see. That's the I was listening. I to, think they're the best team in the NL. Yeah, I think. Oh, oh, that, now without a doubt. I mean, the, you could argue the Dodgers, and I wouldn't fight you. Otherwise, I don't really know what the argument is. What was interesting about the Phillies, and I was listening to Jeff Passan on a I, I can't remember it was a podcast. Uh, ESPN reporter, basically kind of like the Woj of the MLB, right. was saying, look, the Phillies said they were going to spend, and this was before Harper. They're not signed. done either, by the way. He said they were going to spend crazy money this offseason, but before Harper, if you take what they've done in the offseason with McCutcheon, with Real Muto, with Segura, that's a really good offseason. And they're about but to it, add Keuchel. Yeah, and it doesn't, but it doesn't have the splash that no. they kind of hyped it up to be. So now adding Harper, they're the favorite, by far and away the favorite. Though it's interesting, the Braves won that division, 
And everyone in the division got better except for them. And I'm not yeah. counting the Marlins because the Marlins are going to do. No, they're attempting to lose. Yes, they're tanking. So everyone else in that division got better except the Braves. Yeah, that's a really fun division because I think the Mets have a chance to be really good this year. And the Nationals aren't going anywhere. No. They're not going to be quite as good. Dominant pitching staff, a couple really they're good They're bad in players. the pen. Yes, but that's that, that's fixable in the short term. I sure. don't think they're going to go. Like, they're not going to go anywhere long term. I don't think they'll win the division this year. If they have the right breaks, they could be a second wild card team. So let's, you think the Phillies win the East? Who do you have in the Central? Man. So, hold on, hold that thought for a second, because now what what was interesting to me about the Harper thing and how everything else is shaking out was, we'll get to the predictions in a second, but now as much of a problem as baseball has had with teams trying to win, go to the East. The Mets picked up Cano. Yeah. The Nationals are going to be competitive. The Braves won the division last year. The Phillies are now the favorite to win the pennant. The Central. I am interested to see that because I don't know if I necessarily agree that they're the favorite to win the pennant. I think they're the best team, but I think the Dodgers are still a favorite. Mm, I think with with Harper, I think you the the I hadn't looked at Vegas, but it, yeah, it's close. I, I am curious what those are. I'm sure they're not out yet. So then you go to the Central. The Brewers going to be good again. The Dodgers add Goldschmidt. Cardinals. I, no, excuse me, Cardinals. Cardinals. Yeah. The Cubs are the Cubs. Yeah. And I don't think the Reds are necessarily going to compete for anything this year. But they spent a lot. They spent money for the first time. They added Puig. They retooled and have a decent rotation now. They already had a good lineup. Their their starting rotation was horrendous. Yeah, it's they had bad. Luis Castillo, who is good. They had a kid last year that had good stuff. Tyler Malley, yeah, could never could control it. Yeah, he. I don't think. I'm not even sure he makes the opening day roster okay. this year. Um. So. And uh, Anthony DiScalfani. DiScalfani is a good pitcher. His shoulder's been torn up the last couple of years. Had an offseason last year, but he's they got a, rid of Homer Bailey, so that makes him better. They did, and so he is. A, so DiScalfani is the legitimate starter. Is I think Harvey still there? He's a good pitcher. Harvey's not there anymore. Is Who? He? Harvey? Matt no. Harvey? No, no. Matt Harvey is Angels? an angel. Um, oh yeah, because he hates the media, so he went to L- he went to L.A. So he loves Cincinnati because you got three, four reporters there <laughs> so, on a given so night. It's about go to L.A. He was fine, honestly. While I was there, Matt Harvey was. I mean, he hated being asked. He would only he would only talk after his start on the day that he start, and which you can't get away with in a big market. But other than when he got asked about the trade deadline or stuff like that, he was fine. Like I did, I know like he got a bad rap, but he he was not he was not really a dick at all. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'll say it. He wasn't. He, he was fine. He answered questions okay. But so you look at the central. So the Reds rotation now, presumably Sonny Gray, Tanner Rourke. Anthony DiScalfani, Luis Castillo, and who am I missing as the fifth? Amir Garrett? Is that no, him? Amir Garrett. They have a good pin. Amir Garrett, Rossell Iglesias, David Hernandez. Ray, Rossell Iglesias is one of the better relievers in the uh, MO that's not known. Yeah, I know. To, uh, let's see. I'm, I'm I'm missing one rotation guy for the Reds. Um, Alex Wood. Alex Wood. Yes. That's a competitive rotation and they already had a good lineup with Suarez. Yeah. They're just not going to be good enough to win the situation. It's a it's a gauntlet division. But my point is a larger point, they're trying to win. The Pirates are projected as an 80 win team. Yeah. That's not tanking. No, they're but not they're not good. good enough to win. No, but so then you go to the West, Rockies obviously trying to win. I don't necessarily know what to make of the D-backs, but they still have enough pieces there on the mound. Yeah, San Francisco's the. I, I don't, what is San Fran doing? They're refusing signing, to rebuild. They yeah. think they're the Yankees of the Red Sox. They have the terrible foreign system. Them adding Drew Pomerantz and Evan Longoria back to back years is very emblematic. And McCutcheon. Yes, and McCutcheon. Like, it, what are you doing? You but, have to tear it down. The Grizzlies finally learned that. I know it's different sports, cross sports, but some but, points you just got to blow it up. Point being, the team that might finish last place in the NL West has Manny Machado. I don't think they finished last. You think the Giants finished last? Yeah, I don't know if they don't finish ahead of the Diamondbacks. I think the I Diamondbacks like that have enough on the mound. I know they lost Pollock and I know they lost Goldschmidt, but I think they have enough on the mound to win a yeah. decent amount. Of lost games. Corbin too, right? Uh, yes, they did. The Nationals got Pat Corbin. Um, that's right. Yeah. So, so that's rotation. My point Washington. being, for a sport that has had a terrible time with teams competing at one time, there's not very many teams in the National League not trying to win. No, absolutely not. Um. You know, the Giants are technically trying to win. They can't, but they're trying. It's an awful strategy, but they're trying. <laughs> I mean, you really... The Giants and the Marlins are kind of it. Mar- that's it. That's all. I mean, Well, just the Marlins. Again, the Giants are trying. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> the, yeah. The Pirates aren't full-on tanking. They, I wouldn't consider them fully trying to win. Right, yeah. But, so, it's interesting. So, how who do you have in the go. Central? Um, I will go... 
I think I'm going to go Milwaukee. Agreed. They're, they're, they're better than the Cubs. St. Louis is the sexy pick, though, adding Goldschmidt and getting Do you healthier. think the Cubs are in danger? Kind of this window closing? Yes, I do. I absolutely do. Um, Their complacency this past offseason. They're not they spending money. Up. I know. I don't know what they're doing. They're they gave of, a guy that can't hit $400 million or something, and now they can't spend money. I'm not going to question Theo, but whatever. I mean, it, it, facts are facts. They're not spending money, and it feels like they're kind of squandering the end of this window. Yeah, I think they are. Man, they didn't. They played one playoff game last year with that roster. Like, I think it's kind of done. They're in very serious danger. They're not great the on the mound. They're not great in the bullpen. Bryant's great. Rizzo's really good. But when Contreras is great, but man, I don't know how you look at them in Milwaukee and think Milwaukee's not the better team. I'm not saying this is going to happen because I don't think it's very likely, but. If the Cubs don't stay healthy and some things fall another way, they could finish last in that division. Mm-hmm. I don't think they will. That they that take a because there's so much talent there. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, because the Reds aren't going to be the Reds. Like the Reds are not the Reds anymore. The Reds, I don't. The Reds will. Be, did they just hire their bench coach, Riggleman? Uh, no, Riggleman took a job with the Mets. Okay. okay. Uh, I thought Riggleman did a really good job with the uh, the interim role. Because the Reds played good baseball for the last two and a half months of last season. But they were looking to go in a different direction. Riggleman, by MLB standards, is a dinosaur when it comes to like numbers and stuff. And so I think they wanted to go in a different <laughs> yeah, direction. It's probably a good idea because it doesn't work. Yeah, so he's the bench coach. For, he's a, he's Mickey Calloway's bench coach now with the Mets. Okay, well, good for him. I think the Mets are going to be good this year. But yeah, I have I have the Brewers and you got LA out west. Did you know Jim Riggleman's managed five Major League Baseball teams? Five more than I ever will. Yep. So, anyway, we're getting off the rails. That is going to be about it from us. We'll rejoin you next week with some Monday reaction from baseball, basketball. Honestly, both of those both of those teams, you'll know a pretty decent more about their future after this weekend, no? It's yeah. kind of weird to say that, but yeah. it's true. I think, I mean, it, you, if you're going to get anything out of the non-conference from baseball, uh, this is the weekend to do it because I think after this weekend, decisions have to start being made. We'll be back at it Monday, and then after that, Colin will break down position by position the Ole Miss football depth chart. So be looking forward to that on Monday. (laughs) Thank you for listening, and good night. I don't even know who's on the team. Like, if you said, hey, Colin, can you name... A Super Talk Mississippi media production.